Head over to patreon.com slash severe MMA podcast to sign up for our premium content. From the Q&A to the rewatch, we provide multiple shows per week for all your combat sports needs. And now, here's the podcast. Graham McDonald is an idiot. Sean Sheehan of SevereMMA.com. He even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god. This is Severe MMA. 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 The Severe MMA Podcast is finally here. Welcome to the Severe MMA Podcast. Here's your host, Sean Sheehan. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 304 of the Severe MMA Podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, joined today by the Peter Lorimer of Irish MMA Media, Graham McDonald, as we talk about one of the busiest weeks in a long time we've had in MMA, three Cage Warriors events, uh, the UFC, fights getting cancelled, fights in arenas with fans, Big pay-per-view coming up next week and all of that. And before we get to that, we must mention that this podcast is presented by our friends over at Manscaped. And the noises we use here are coming from the bathrooms around here like, ah, oh, Jesus, what the fuck? And that was before we discovered Man- <laughs> Manscaped. And those were the screams that we used to always hear. Uh, you need to try out Manscaped for yourself, especially the lawnmower 3.0 that has been beautifully designed. Where have I it? Hold on, it's here. Hold on. Here we go. There you go. Uh, get 20% off and free shipping with the code SEVEREMMA at manscaped.com. Always use the right tools for your jobs, which myself and Graham have been using here for, for the last couple of months. So j- join us along this uh, beautiful uh, uh, journey to uh, fresh balls. Uh, Min, start taking notes because it's time to reduce those cuts in your nuts. The Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0 has been beautifully designed to reduce those painful nicks and tugs this is our third generation trimmer featuring a advanced skins safe technology so keep your bad boys nice and smooth the manscaped engineering team uh obsesses over technology developments to provide you the best food tools for your grooming experience and they spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created the lawnmower 3.0 trimmer when i tell you it's premium i mean premium the battery lasts up to 90 minutes honestly i think that battery lasts more than 90 minutes because i've used that way, way more than that and it's still gone i don't think i've ever charged it in like the six months i've had it maybe once but it's mad and the waterproof technology allows you to shave in the shower too one of the coolest features the led light and illuminates everywhere it's absolutely brilliant and let's not forget about the charging stand uh, show off your more loud and proud because intelligently designed stand is convenient charging powered by USB. Uh, so many people have written stories uh, about the lawnmower 3.0 trimmer and how it has changed their lives. They even include pics so I could see the smoothness for myself. And they aren't kidding, trust me. Uh, you need to try this out for yourself. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code SEVEREMMA at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. So that's 20% off, free shipping with the code SEVEREMMA at manscaped.com. Always use the right tools for the job. Right, Graham. Uh... Let's talk about some MMA, and you know this is an Irish MMA podcast, so let's not bury the lead here, t- to be honest. This UFC last night wasn't fantastic, so we will get to that later on. Um, but we have to talk about Ian Gary, I think, first off. This, I, 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 there's been a few performances from Irish MMA fighters 
when they're young down through the years that get you truly excited. Now, we're, I think we're excited about lots of lads coming up. And when you see the likes of, you know, James Gallagher or Ian Gary or Paul Hughes or Danny Nyland or Kiefer Crosby or, you know, any of these people that we've seen as amateurs recently after the McGregor kind of madness with Paul Redmond and Norman Park and Colin and all them coming up the new wave. I think we're all excited about it, seeing what, what can be done, what you know, can be produced and how it'll be different this time. And we've seen some good performances, like the Reese McKee performance we always used to talk about before where he looks smooth and and just really, really good. But this is another one. Now, not not <laughs> not to get carried away or anything here, but this was this was a very, very, very good performance. You know, we've both talked about Ian Gary before and how good he is, but have like you know, we, we've looked at it, I think, fairly enough and looked at his performance. And you especially, Graham, have said about he was getting hit a little bit in his previous fights. I know I, t- I talked to him about that in the second last interview I did about that as well. And he was like, oh, I know him. And he was still giving out a little bit. But, you know, that's that's the way it goes as well. But on, uh, what was it, Friday night, he didn't really get hit. You know, he he did everything right. He was tactically very good, technically very good. Uh, devastating with the finish. Smart in all areas. It was, like, to me, it was a flawless performance. Like, even one stage when he got into, like, a bit of a clinch and Rostam landed a couple of shots, Ian actually landed the better shot on the outside to kind of win that exchange. So even the ones where he was maybe not struggling, but, you know, when you fight anyone at, at that level, you're going, you're going to get hit a few times. But he won the exchange, even where, when like, the, his worst exchange of the fight, which to me is, is a very good sign as well. Um... There was just so much to talk about, I think, and so much good that came from what what did you think? Were you as impressed with it as I was? Yeah, it was absolutely brilliant. It was an absolutely brilliant performance. You know, uh Ackman is only you know, he's only had nine fights now, but he's been fighting, you know, he just fought in the UFC, he just went to a decision with, with Jake Matthews and you know People who've been following this podcast for years, like the abilities of uh, Jake Matthews, like it's kind of yeah. uh, a lot of people had him as a as an uber prospect. It didn't really work out that way. Like I think he has a way of kind of you know um, losing fights that maybe he should win. But mm-hmm. you're, you're definitely you're definitely a good fighter. You know he's been in the UFC and all that. I know UFC caliber isn't what it used to be. But if you just watched uh, Ackman against Gary and you you uh, on Friday and you di- and you didn't know either guy, you you would have thought he was a a can like he made him look he made him look like a bum he like he made him look like just another guy who had who had had a, a few fights coming up you know and was out of his depth and you know uh i was expecting gary to win but i didn't know how the fight was going to look i didn't know if he was going to be able to dominate him but he was and he just looked absolutely he looked smooth and relaxed and even on the finish you know uh it was a beautiful finish uh, it seemed to be coming for, for you know it seemed to be a matter of time but it was still a really nice finish uh, against a, re- a really you know not not a top top level guy but you know uh, for for 5 and 0 at the time uh, guy and gary it's a, it was a big test and he just passed it with absolutely flying colors just absolute domination and the best he's ever looked and the, the biggest statement he's ever made yeah i, I actually um I sent the knockout to one of my friends that, that had watched uh, the interview I did with Ian the other day, and uh, he was like, he made your man look like Marge Simpson, <laughs> you know, that, that gif of Mar- or that uh, meme of Marge Simpson, like, leaning down on the punch, and he did, and that's from the fence, I think Jack Slack put up a little video of it, like, three or four seconds, of how he made him bite on the fence so much, <clears throat> and, you know, we talked a lot about Adesanya a couple of weeks ago, not, I'm not going too far now, and, uh, you know, comparing Adesanya to Gary, but in this, in this way, you know, we talked about 
why faints matter and why they're very good but it's what comes after him that really matters and it was after that last faint where he landed that head kick so he got him moving he got him thinking and then he prayed on that and got the finish with it it was absolutely you know it was it was brilliant now okay Ackman is uh, like to, to me I went back and watched almost all of his fights he's you know he's beaten Kiefer Crosby in the uh, in the amateurs as you said he went three rounds with Jake Matthews who okay he turns out was not the best fighter in the world but he is a uh, you know, a mid-level UFC fighter by any account, um, you know, went to, uh, almost got to the three rounds with Sean Brady, who I think a lot of people think is the one of the best prospects, if it's not the best prospect uh, in that division in the world at the moment in the UFC. So, like, he, that's that's no mug. And, uh, okay, it's a bit of MMA mat, but having watched his other fights as well, he's very good defensively. And nobody has really done to him before what Ian Gary did to him. He's never been finished. I know he's not that many fights, but he's a lot of amateur fights as well. And he's very, very good defensively. But I was talking, when I interviewed Ian, I don't know if he said it during the interview or afterwards, that he was expecting this to be uh, maybe not a tough fight, but he was expecting it maybe your man to be very, very tough and for him to have to maybe go three rounds with Ackman. But it, like I think from very early on, it looked like Gary was going to win the fight. Um, and... I think the, the the thing for me that kind of set this this fight alight was when they were transitioning on the ground and Ian Gary took the back. And, you know, we often talk about his athleticism and how, you know, if it's all good in MMA having all the skills and everything like that. And you can get really far with having, like, brilliant skills and, and a smart mind and all. But there's if you don't have the athleticism, you will all be, always be held back a bit. Ian Gary has no worries that way. He is an unbelievably athletic guy. So not not to you know not to build his ego too much, and I'm sure that'll be Chris Fields' job as well. And I know that's already hard because he's you know even before this fight he's saying he's the world champion. He'd beat seventy five percent of the lads in UFC and all. But you know in MMA you have to be very very confident to to go in there and be you know willing to to go toe to toe with any other man in the world at your same weight. Um, but yeah, that that might <laughs> might be the only thing with Gary keeping his head on his shoulders. But he looks to be improving all the time. You know, he's not taking any backward steps in the coronavirus as well. It's a tough time to get training. You know, James Webb hasn't been over that much. Who would have been his main kind of on the way up training partner in Cage Warriors? You know, the former Cage Warriors middleweight champion who's still in. You know, obviously got a tough loss at the weekend, but. Uh, so it's not been easy, and you know Ian wrote himself on his website that he's not he's had a kind of a tough time coming into this fight as well, and not in any serious ways or anything, but you know like everyone else has, and for him to still produce that performance was really really good, and now he'll be facing Jack Grant, who had a great win over Matters for Minas as well uh, in the final here in June, I believe Graham Boylan announced yesterday it'll be the twenty third, twenty fourth, and twenty fifth of June if I'm not mistaken, or no twenty fourth, fifth, and sixth, sorry. Um, so yeah, I'm really looking forward to that fight there. And look, you'd have to fancy Ian Gary for that fight, I suppose. Uh, it was, uh, you know, from fantastic performance. Um, we, we'll talk about all the Irish guys first, and then we'll uh, talk about some of the other major points from it. Uh, I'd be interested, to, Graham, get your take on, on Paul Hughes. Myself and Jake talked a little bit about it on the Patreon podcast, and if anyone hasn't heard that yet, sign up patreon.com forward slash severe my podcast. Myself and Jake uh, broke down the first two nights of it, which is most of the, the main Irish... Uh, uh, interest on it over on Patreon, so check that out. What, what did you think of Paul Hughes' performance, Graham? Well, I think it was uh, very important that he went in and got the win. Um, you know, no matter what anybody thinks about the decision in the last one, it's down as a loss, and it's important to go in and get a win. And maybe there was a bit of extra nerves there or something, but he didn't look he didn't look the same um, level of comfort and flowiness that we're used to seeing. Um, 
you know, um, it, it, it could be it could be a number of factors, but maybe Headland uh, Heading is a, is a little bit better than, than we expected. But uh, at one stage in the fight, it looked like it it it, it could. Uh, you know, it could be a really tough night for him, and he managed to kind of, you know, dog it out or, you know, uh, eke it out. Not eke it out. Like he, I think he, everybody kind of agrees he won the decision. I, I, I didn't see too much dissension there, but um, for the level of kind of uh, performances we saw before his last fight, uh, it was definitely, it, it definitely seemed like uh, something was something wasn't clicking. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree with that. I, I agree with your first point as well. You know, it reminded me a little bit of. Uh, and and this is a, a way broader example and not as harsh as this at all but like remember Nganu when he came back and he lost to Sipa and he was like the, the one fight after that he was like oh the Derek Lewis fight I know he lost that fight and obviously Hughes didn't lose this but it was one of those fights where it's just about kind of getting back in there and then after that he was great I feel like this might be the, the case for Hughes I don't think it was his best performance. Now, the most important thing was he got the win. He got back on winning ways. Because if he lost this... It, look, disaster is a harsh word. But, like, it would have been a long way to kind of build back to become that kind of trusted prospect again. Um, and I think this was an important win. Now, I, I think the issue I have... Or not, not the issue I have. But, like, I think the, the problem, if you're looking at Paul Hughes's game at the moment, is one that can be fixed, I think. Because if you look at Hughes and you see his ground game against someone like Hinden absolutely fantastic towards the end of that fight got on top won, won it there he strikes when he's landing him absolutely fantastic he hits hard he's fast he's another guy who's athletic like he has all the skills but you know he reminds me a little bit of a, a mark henry fighter and that it no this is harsh as well because mark henry's fighters i'm looking at him in the ufc when they're faking 30 fights and he's what what six or seven fights into his career i just feel like he's still putting it together well and that's going to take another three or four fights at least to improve on a lot and to get the fight iq to where it needs to be because i feel like his last two fights that's was that's been the biggest issue for him uh and now you know he might say what the fuck are you talking about you <laughs> you have no clue what you're talking about and that's fair enough absolutely his prerogative or anyone else's prerogative listening to this to, to do that to me but i feel like in the vucinich fight I feel like the takedown was there. As we saw, Shari was able to get him down a couple of times. Now, I'm not saying it's easy or anything like that. Vucinic is good takedown defense. Um, but, I, like, Q showed when he got on top of Vucinic and of Hinden as well that he is very, very dominant there. Uh, and I feel like in that fight, he should have done that a bit more. And I feel like in this fight, he took way too many shots against Hinden. Now, uh, you said there we maybe underestimated Hinden a bit, and I think we absolutely did. And, and Jake made that point as well in the podcast we did. He knows him very well. And, uh, I, you know... Fair Hinden, I thought fought a great fight uh, as well, and it was you know, and, and even enough fight. I had Hughes winning all three rounds, but all the judges I think had him twenty nine, twenty eight. But I thought Hinden landed way too many shots, and you know, Hughes watching that back, if he looks at back in the, you know, with a very very unbiased eye, I think he might say right. I won the fight but I could have won this fight better and I think that's the way you look at it you know sometimes it's easier to look at a loss and say how you would uh, improve on it but I think if he looks at this win and improves on it again the next time out it could be a very very different beast and Paul Hughes could be a very different beast as well so it's you know it's it's probably the best case scenario it's a win but it, there's lots to look at lots to improve at going back and looking at that win so um yeah and that's what you want as a prospect that's what you want as a guy coming through uh in that division so um yeah uh, that that's what i'd say very good win uh definitely deserved win uh things to work on but i think paul hughes is you know on the way i i, I saw case where sweet like on the road back and there's lots of people calling for the title shot and stuff next against uh, vucinic and vucinic even called for it I I wouldn't do it. I I don't think it's the right move. I th I think they should do uh, Vucinic versus Sharia. 
two. I think they should do that again. It was a close enough fight last night. Uh, and I saw Perry Goodwin calling out Paul Hughes. I wouldn't mind seeing that fight. I think that's a good fight and another good test. Like, that would have been the start of name, I think. That would have been a very good uh, matchup for Hughes this time. Now, Hinden turned out to be a good matchup and a close matchup as well, but I wouldn't mind seeing that one uh, seeing that one next at all. Um, I suppose while we're on this, what, what did you think of that Vucinic-Sharia fight last night? Did you... Uh, who, who did you have it for? Um, yeah, they were very close rounds. I did have it for Sharia, though. Uh, I was a little surprised with the decision, but, you know, I think Vucinic won the first round, I think, pretty clearly. Um, and then the rest of them, you know, four four for Sharia, I think, is, is clear enough as well. But the rest of them, you know, it could go either way, so I wasn't, like, you know, wouldn't be calling a robbery or anything. But, uh, yeah, very close fight, very close rounds. and yeah, it does make sense to do that again. Uh, you know, the, you'll always have the the Hughes and Vucinich, Vucinich rematch in your back pocket. Uh, you don't need to do it straight away. Like uh, both guys seem interested uh, in in the fight. Obviously, Hughes is interested in uh, Vucinich. Vucinich uh, said he was interested last night. So uh, uh, or the other night. So um, yeah, either way, you know, it's it's uh, it's good problems to have. There's people interested in, in seeing both fights. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. Yeah, I think um, I, I, on the score of the fight, I had it 48-47 for Charrier, but I, I see nothing wrong with a Vucinic win there at all. And uh, what a performance from him, you know. I, I think he took Charrier out of his game an awful lot, but into a similar sort of game, which is a bit odd. Like, he, he fought Charrier on the outside, but, like, just enough... And, and, well, on the outside is not the right way to say it, I suppose, but, like, just enough outside so Sharia wasn't able to hit in those bombs of kicks to the body and, you know, use his kind of, his small uh, starter to land those big shots, which he usually does uh, inside. Now, he landed a few of them, and I think it was the second round, especially, where he, or, no, the third round where he landed a lot. Like, there was, the problem with that fight is there was lots of clinching, and then there was, like, little bits of shots after it, and it was like, oh, God, this is a fucking nightmare to score. There was one round where it was, like, even with a minute left and I think Sharia like got him down for a second but landed two hard shots as he did it and then it, it wasn't a takedown or anything but it was like just hard shots as they were kind of transitioning on the ground and then they got back up and Vucinic landed a hard on it was like oh god who the fuck was winning that round and it, I think that was the I think that was I don't know what round that was but it was as you said the first round Vucinic I thought the the yeah the last couple of rounds I, I thought um uh, Sharia kind of pulled away, but uh, you know, not, not, when I say pulled away, I think he just about slightly won him. <laughs> but yeah, the 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 rest of the fight was just very very close. It was one of those ones where you could look back at it a hundred times and probably have like three or four different scores. But yeah, it's uh, it was a good fight anyway. Um, uh, we'll we'll pop back. We'll pop back and forth throughout these, but some more of the Irish fighters. Um, actually, before we we get to that. The, the two Figlak brothers, again, looked absolutely phenomenal in this. Um, Manny Achpan looked really, really good. The first night, you know, we we talked about it on the, the preview podcast with Brad. It was all about, I think, prospects and the guys coming through. Matthew Elliott as well from above in Northern Ireland. His top game looks fantastic and he's wrestling really, really good as well. So, like, if you look at that that card, this is going to be a card, I think, in a few years that we look back and go, geez, all those lads fought in the same one from Matthew Elliott, Matthews Figlak, Mike Figlak. You know, Matthews Figlak as well was beaten by Ian Gary. And that win is going to look better and better because that Figlak is brilliant, really good. If, you're, if you haven't seen the Manny Achpan fight, go back and watch it and watch his next fight as well. Uh, and Christian Leroy Duncan as well. That was the one where it was... 
an odd stoppage. Um, it was, you know, was it a knee he kind of landed? And then there was lots of shots following up after it. And uh, I believe it was referee Daniel Moverheady <coughs> stepped in and stopped it. Um, at just the point where I think I was thinking myself, like, now is the time to stop it. But then at, just after the stoppage, uh, Will Curry kind of was in on a takedown and looking looking good. Now Duncan stopped fighting. Um, so it you know it looked like he was getting the takedown. He was in the middle of getting the takedown where it was made a little bit easier by him stop fighting. So it made the stoppage look worse. Look, I don't think it was a great stoppage. I don't think it was a horrible stoppage either. It was one of those where you're kind of stuck in the middle. And there was a few of them actually. I think there was one in the UFC as well last night. Uh, if I'm not, or in, sorry, in Cage Warriors as well last night, which was uh, which was similar enough. But uh, how and ever. And in the main event, Ken Kapoinen looked really, really good and beating James Richardson uh, over over the distance, which makes Will Flory look even better. He destroyed Ken Kapoinen uh, in their fight or won well anyway in that fight. Uh, but before we move on from the first night, Decky McAleen and Kieran Lister went to a split draw uh one judge had it lister one judge had it mclean and one judge had it a draw so it was that that kind of tells the story of the fight me personally i thought lister won at 29 28 um with the second round being very close to a 10 8 so i think lister winning or a draw is a fair result don't really see a case for decky to be honest although if you're looking at over the full fight and you, that's not the way to do it obviously and that's not how mma scored but you know it was you could argue Decky had the better performance. And to me, Decky McAleenan is the most improved fighter in Irish MMA. Like I, maybe we'll see James Gallagher coming out and doing very well now that he's over in James Krause's gym and stuff. And we've seen some other guys. And Ian Gary, obviously, is, is very improved as well and, and others. But Decky, like I, when I saw Decky coming up, not, not disrespectful or anything, but like I thought he'd be a good you know cage warriors fighter who might never fight for the cage warriors title and kind of just have some fun fights and stuff but now i think i think decky could fight for the cage warriors title i think he might even be one win away from the cage warriors title and he could you know beat some of those good guys he's power in his hands and i know you know he took exception the the other day to being called a grappler but like i it's funny because decky gets ends up on the ground so much that he turns into uh, <laughs> a lot of his fights turn into him having to be a grappler and i think he's striking from on the ground and from the grappling realm is very very good as well and obviously when you beat adam Vintra, you know and you submit him that's the best win of your career and you got it by a submission so you can start calling yourself a grappler you know at, at that point i think but uh yeah, I think uh, I'd like to see the rematch in this again. You could nearly do a whole fucking event of rematches after these trilogy fights. But uh, yeah, I th- thought it was a very, very good performance uh, from uh, from Decky. What, what did you think of the scoring in that fight and, and Decky's performance? Yeah, well, I thought the I thought the 10-8 in the second w- actually was a 10-8. So uh, yeah, I think the draw was was correct. Um, <laughs> like it, it wasn't like the most obvious 10-8, but I think it was just enough and. Um, uh, yeah, it was kind of either either you know the first round and the third round were Lister, so it was either going to be a decision against uh, Decky or the draw. So I think he uh, he'd be happy enough with the with the draw, but maybe you know in the second round he thought maybe I could I could have finished the fight there and maybe be moving on to title contention as you mentioned. So uh, maybe he'd be a bit disappointed there, but I think yeah I think it was a fair result in the end. 
Yeah, it was a very good fight as well. Very good fight, yeah, hundred percent. And uh, I, I want to see it again. So uh, the second night, then we had obviously we mentioned Ian Gary fighting the Jack Grant fight as well. Josh Reed, one of the most exciting fighters on the on the scene, got a beautiful uh, knee KO in that one. There was a beautiful guillotine by Omel Brown. Uh, I call it the chain guillotine. He guillotined him about four different times, four different ways. Uh, Matthew Bonner got a very good win over James Webb. You know, a tough loss for James Webb. Talking to Ian during the week. I think it's been a tough enough time for James. You know, his uh, his uh, partner was pregnant, and I think he was opening a new business. And obviously, the coronavirus not being able to get over to Dublin as much as he probably would have liked uh, for his main training. You know, with Chris Fields and and Tom King and all of them. So, you know, I, I'm looking forward to see what James can do next. It's his big time in his career now if he to bounce back from this. But uh, Matthew Bonner looks very good. I think he's he's very athletic. Look at nine and six in his career, and I don't think that. It reflects how good of a fighter he is, that record. So, um, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing what uh, what he does next. And then we did two big title fights. Jack Cartwright versus Sylvester Miller in and via headbutts. Uh, and the uh, Aggie Sagdari versus Donovan Desme fight, which, uh, which was <laughs> a, a close fight. Um, the first three rounds... It was one of those fights again where the first three rounds can go either way and the last two rounds Sardari won. So whoever you score the first three rounds for wins the fight. Uh, or one of the first three rounds for if it's Sardari. I thought Sardari won the third, I think it was, uh, and had him 48-47, but a 48-47 Desme uh, uh, score is good as well. And Jack Grant, uh, so <laughs> Sylvester Miller got disqualified for repeated headbutts. Well, I, I know you're a good man for looking at these things and maybe having a different sort of opinion or breaking it down. Well, what did you think of these headbutts, Greg? Do you think they were intentional? Do you think the disqualification was right? Yeah, I think they weren't intentional. Um, yeah, I think so. Um, I think I think it was the correct decision. It's, uh, it's not fucking, you know, it's not fucking. I don't know what year that was when when Mark Alban was was running wild. Seven uh, or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> bring them back though. Bring them back knees to the ground, kicks to the ground, headbutts. Bring bring it all back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They have a one night only, one night only in Japan every year. Yeah. New Year's Eve, the rules are different. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> yeah, you can only do it one night a year because it'll take them a fucking year to <laughs> a year to get better from all the damage they took from all the shots at the ground. But uh, <clears throat> yeah, I thought it was uh, look the first one I thought was bad because even if he's not, if it's not intentional, it's like a. F- I think someone used the word flagrant. Like it's a flagrant like moving of the head, and it connected. So what can you do? Like at that stage, like he fucking hit him harder. He said, "You need to stop moving your head in that direction, or moving your head after the shot you're throwing. You need to be careful with it." Um, I thought the second and third ones were a little bit harsh from uh, from the referee Rich Mitchell, I believe, especially the third one, like because Jack Grant had his back against the cage for the third one. Uh, and our, the back of his head against the cage, and it kind of lifted. And as that kind of happened, Sylvester Miller threw the threw the shot, and his head came down, and he connected. Didn't connect that badly, and I think that was more Cartwright moving his head than anything. But the last one was just like fucking Kevin Owens and Vince McMahon, just pure fucking headbutting him. And that, when you've been warned three times, four times, is it? When you've had two points taken. Um, you can you just have to stop you just have to adjust your game at that stage and he didn't and there's no you know everyone knew it at that stage there's no one to blame on himself i think at that stage but uh yeah but, but i think the bigger point of this and we might miss out on this is to me i thought jack grant was one of the, the best fighters in cage wars before and i still think he's a very good fighter but sylvester miller gave him all he could do you know he really did he was dominating him on top for large periods landing big shots jack Hartwright wasn't landing nothing from the bottom couldn't get out um you know i think he won the first round 
And obviously then we started getting taken points and everything like that after that. So I went a bit mad. I think there was a 9A round in the second round. And, you know, I would like to see the rematch again. Hopefully we can get it without the headbutts this time. But, uh, yeah, it was a very, very, uh, very, very interesting fight. And a very, obviously... Um, uh, crazy one to to put it uh, to put it lightly. Uh, and then last night to to finish up on Cage Warriors, we mentioned obviously the Vucinich Sharia fight. Um, there was Darren O'Gorman obviously for Irish MMA fell to six and six, a huge knockout for Nicholas LeBlanc, a beautiful knockout. Uh, and that one, Yassine Balage uh, got the decision over Tom Mears. Nathan Fletcher submitted uh, Ma- uh, Michele Martignoni to move to five and zero, oh, so he's definitely one to look out for. John and Dye got a beautiful step in low down knee KO over Corin Eaton uh, to get back to winning ways after being out of the cage for a long time before his last fight. Uh, Brian Boulin got a win over Liam Giddens and that was that stoppage I was talking about earlier on as well you know you could debate that till, till kingdom come uh, Tobias Laria very good win knockout over uh, over Aiden Steven until as well the cows, until the cows come home you mean John yeah. no? you Wait, what could debate that till the cows come home what did I say <laughs> Um, I can't remember now, but <laughs> definitely wasn't until the girls come home. Okay, until the girls come home, so I, I'll have to listen back to this. Story, what I, uh, I did Paddy Pimm did against Davida Martinez. Liverpool finally got a win on English soil. Fair play to them. <laughs> it's been a long time since you've done it, Graham. Um, Paddy looked good, didn't he? Like, <clears throat> the issue with Paddy again was there. He took a few shots, like, and that's, I think that's uh, always going to be, yeah. always going to be Paddy. But his striking looked a little bit better. <laughs> You know, he looked good on the feed, I thought, for the few seconds it was there. And when I, I was watching it with the, the missus here, and I said, the second he got into the, the mount, I was like, this is over. You know, this is all you can't let Paddy into that position in the first fucking minute of the fight. Uh, he's going to just, just destroy you from there. He's too good, and that was it. It was great performance from Paddy. Do you think it's going to be UFC for him? I know, like, Graham Boylan and everyone else mm-hmm. kind of wants him to say in, in Cage Warriors, but I think it's a time now for Paddy, isn't it? Yeah, it would have been nice to have like another big Liverpool show uh, with Cage Warriors to kind of go to the UFC off. But with coronavirus, you don't know how long that's gonna ta- gonna take, you know. And uh, he he seems like now before a few years ago, he kind of seemed like he didn't really care. He thought the UFC not didn't care about the UFC, but didn't care when it happened. It was just gonna happen in the future. And now it seems like he wants it to happen. Uh, from the little bits of, uh, I've seen him talk about it. So uh, you know, he went in there against a guy he was he had to be and had to beat impressively and he and he did that you know he did it a little bit more impressively maybe than than uh required <laughs> if, you, if you know what i mean so uh yeah you, you can take nothing away from there but it's not really the the caliber of opponent that uh that he was fighting before so maybe he'll want to get and you know if ideally obviously if he could if the uk have their the vaccines rolled out maybe they could put on an echo arena in liverpool show and he could go in there against against a guy people know and have a win there and go off to the UFC like that. That would obviously uh, create a lot more hype than it would if he just went to the UFC now. Yeah, but I I, I think the issue with that is, right, Paddy Pimblett, uh, and when you fight in cage drivers, you often do roll the dice uh, with the, the levels of matchups given. And, like, Paddy Pimblett has gone in there, fought Sarn back, fought Nad Naramani, had the Julian Arosa close fight, he's won the titles, you know, and he's come back and got to winning ways. Uh, like... 
Paddy's taking the chances. He's had the big fights. Okay, he's lost some of them and he's won some of them and he's he's come back. I don't think it's time for another chance. I w- if I was Paddy Pimble, I point blank refused to ever fight in Cage Warriors again unless he gets cut from the UFC and he goes back. Uh, I uh, I think it's time for the UFC now. He's done enough. He's he is um, you know how many fights does he have? He's nineteen fights. That's plenty. You know he's ready for the UFC. I think it's time now. Do I think he goes in there and destroys everyone in the UFC? No, absolutely not. Like he he has shown improvements. I think in his last couple of fights, haven't got that long, gone that long. Obviously, he's had injury problems and stuff like that. But I think you're you're not going to get more ready for entering the UFC than Paddy Pimblett is now. I think now you can get more ready for the top five and everything like that. But you're going to have to work your way up to that. And I don't think it's like. Could you say we you know we looked at Reese McKee getting into the UFC and maybe a Dean Barry and other people and like saying is it too early? And you know you can argue that. But for Paddy Pimblett like how how much more waiting do you want to do like okay to have a big liverpool show or something like that but you can do that with the ufc if you're if you're a good enough or if you're on darn kill till card maybe um i think it's time i think paddy needs to be in the ufc now and i think the ufc would probably uh would probably like him as well so let's make it happen let's make it happen um right so that's it with cage wars a really good trilogy they're coming back as we said in june and uh yeah looking forward to looking forward to seeing it happening um so before we get to the ufc ksw had a big card as well last night um bombardier was supposed to fight uh, marius even pujanowski uh but he fell out and with with appendicitis and on an hour's notice stepped in nikola milanovic who is an ono judo teacher to fight pujanowski and he looked that way, to be honest, he went in, he had a belly on him like me, uh, he almost got the takedown, in fairness, at one stage with a judo throw, which looked good, couldn't really throw a punch, um, and when he failed on the judo throw and landed on his back, Pujanowski just landed big shots and your man couldn't physically get back up, and he was able to finish it. Now, if this happened in the UFC or in like Cage Warriors or something, it'd be a bit bad, and for KSW, who are a, a genuine promotion, I don't think it looks great either. But it is Eastern Europe as well, so it's like, yeah, come on, lad. It's, it's these things. These things happen in MMA, as we said. But uh, yeah, hopefully, well, you know, uh, I think Pudineski's like the the outlier. He goes against the rules. You know, we've seen a lot of strange happenings with uh, Pudineski, like three round fights turning into two rounds because he's tired and stuff like that <laughs> over the years. So. Uh, yeah, I think uh, he's a. Uh, there's a different set of rules for Budenowski in 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 KSW. I don't think they would have done that with with anybody else, really. Yeah, uh, indeed. Uh, and I'm looking through the results here. I, I, caught, I caught a bit of the card, but not all of them. Sean Dini has results open here in SevierMMA.com. Uh, there's new bantamweight champion as Anton Rakic lost to Sebastian Probska uh, via split decision. Great pronunciation there for me. Damian Janikowski got another very good win. He definitely wanted to look out for. Uh, and you can see the rest of the results there on uh, on SevierMMA.com. Dario Stosic won as well uh, on the undercard here. So, um, yeah. KSW putting on good shows again and oh maybe they would have preferred a better main event and obviously they had one scheduled with Bombardier versus Pujanowski and hopefully they can do that again and hopefully um hopefully Bombardier is okay as well because it was you know getting a feckin appendix is, is a tough one so um yeah hopefully he's okay and we can all get back to that big fight again so uh right let's get to let's get to the UFC this was honestly one of the most boring cards I've ever watched I just like the, the problem with it there was some good knockouts and there was some good fights and stuff but like there was absolutely nothing to get you like 
you know, excited about. There was no like, jeopardy or no, no consequences going to really. Yeah, and I like there was big consequences for all the fighters and everything like that. No disrespect to any of the fighters and some very good fighters on it, which I'm sure in the in the future we could look back on and say, oh, you know, we, we should have taken it more seriously at the time. But it was it was on those cars. It's just like it flowed through. Even like the commentary was was grand and all, but it was like they weren't getting that excited, and no one on Twitter was getting excited, and it was uh, it was kind of just falling asleep. And it was it was a weird kind of card. Um, just to run through some of the uh, the the victories for the people on the undercard. Uh, Bruno Silva was, you know, I I think that was his, that JP boys. I don't know does he belong in the UFC to me. He didn't he didn't look great. He got absolutely destroyed by Bruno Silva. He had a couple of moments, but every time Silva hit him, he looked like he was gone out, uh, and he did in the end. Uh, Montel Jackson uh, got the win over Jesse Strader to move to ten and two. Uh, Trevin Giles won against Roman Delidza when Delidza kept going for leg locks and getting punched in the face, thinking probably he was winning the fight while getting punched in the face. Um, Grant Dawson, would, that, that was, to me, the best fight of the night. Uh, he, you know, I think two judges had him ahead two rounds. I thought it was 1-1, one, one, uh, although I'd probably need to watch it back in, but it didn't matter anyway, <coughs> because he got the second latest finish, as I choked it out, in UFC history, uh, with a uh, three-round history, with a four-minute, 59-second knockout with hammer fists over Leonardo Santos. Absolutely brilliant finish uh, in that one. Macy Chaisan rose to 7-1, beating Marion Renault. Uh, she's not a million miles away from a title shot, £135. Uh, Tai Tuivasa uh, beat uh, Harry Hunsucker, who came in on short notice in 49 seconds. Uh, Yanez, I think, Adrian Yanez, he's 13-3. He looked pretty good, to be honest. I thought his striking was very, very good, and he got a nice counter-right, as it says here in Topology, win uh, over Gustavo Lopez, so that's very good. And it was a bad night for the boys' family, as Cheyenne boys lost to Montserrat Ruiz. And uh, what did she say to her afterwards? Like, I'll follow you home. Uh, there was a bit of shite talk afterwards. It was very, very funny. So, um, yeah, it was that was that was <laughs> that was probably the funniest moment of the night. Uh, Max Griffin, nice KO over Kenyan Song. When you read it like this, it was actually a better card than I remembered. Um, beautiful one-two inside and landing some big punches on Kenyan Song, and got a got a nice finish there. And in the main event. One of the most bizarre fights I've ever watched, to be honest. And I've watched a lot of fucking fights <laughs> through the years. Um, look, Brunson won the fight, whatever way you want to say. I had a 48-47. I think a couple of the judges gave him four rounds. One gave him a 10-8, and you can't complain with that at all. Yeah. I, I thought know. the second was I thought the second was Holland and the fifth was was definitely Holland. But, uh, yeah, Brunson won the fight. Uh, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't a great fight. It was... Uh... Uh, yeah, Holland was just uh, I don't know. If, I don't know if that's his personality uh, or he's hamming it up, but uh, he needs to keep his head in the game. Yeah, like to, just to run through the fight quickly, I suppose from the the scoring point of view, uh, I, I agree. I thought it was ten nine Brunson in the first round. He landed a lot of shots on on top. Um, I don't think he did enough damage for a ten eight, but it wasn't far away. I haven't looked at the cards actually, but I would guess that would be the round with the ten eight uh, in it, maybe. I thought the second round Holland won it because he almost knocked him out twice. Now Brunson got on top and he had an arm triangle in, but I don't think it was. It was close, but I don't think, you know, I, I don't think Holland was close to tapping. And he said she made him defend an awful lot, so it did score. It was definitely a scoring, uh, effective grappling, um, you know, transition or whatever you want to call it. Um, 
her transition's wrong or but you know what I mean. And but I just think like did you can see it. He almost knocked him out twice, and I think you have to score that. I know the ju- I don't think any of the judges did, but I I think that was the way it was going. A very close round because of those two things. Um, in the third round, then. Not much to separate him, really. There was a couple of shots from the bottom from Holland as Brunton laid on top for most around, not doing much. I think it was a couple of short elbows kind of won him that. Um, Holland won the fourth in. Uh, or, sorry, Brunton won the fourth. Holland landed absolutely nothing in the fourth. Need, needed to finish, got into the fifth round. Probably won just about won the fifth round. Landed a couple of shots uh, early, but 48, 47 runs and I had it. 49-46, I don't see anything wrong with that, or 49-45. Um, the, the thing was, what do you think, Graham, with Kevin Holland? Like, because this talking and the bollocks and in, in the cage and all, it's not as funny as someone like a Mikel Pereira who's jumping around and stuff. Um, it is for a while, I suppose, and that video that went out, I think it was the worst thing that's ever happened to him because now he's kind of, people are expecting him to do it and we're listening to him on commentary and everything and it's like... He's a very good fighter. He doesn't. He doesn't need this. Like, and he, if he does a little bit, absolutely. But it. It was the whole story of this fight, and it feels like we, people weren't even watching the fight. We we're just watching him talking, which is. It was one of the oddest fights I've ever watched. Like, to I saw a few people saying, it, and someone tweeted me, and I was interested. They were saying like, it's not that he was trying to do this. He's just there's something wrong with him and he you know he can't but talk in the cage. What What did you think of his like whole antics? Do you think he was doing it on purpose, or do you just think it's the way he is? Uh, yeah, I'd say he probably is a bit of a kind of a bit of a eccentric guy, but I think he probably was hamming it up a bit. It seemed like he was hamming it up a bit, but it's it's hard to know when you don't know the guy. Like you know, there is some a lot of strange characters in MMA, so maybe he's just another one of those very strange characters. Yeah, um, like, yeah. I I just think if if he can stop it, and if he can't stop it, fair enough. Like absolutely, like, you can't criticize him for that. But if he can't stop it, and I've you know, I don't think it's been as bad in in previous fights to be honest, because we watched Kevin Holland fighting before and we saw him talking a bit in his last fight but it's not really been a thing that everyone has been talking about you know during his fight i just uh i think it's holding him like he i think he lost his fight because of it i honestly i think he would have won this fight if there wasn't all this talking and bullshitting and you know talking to habib during the rounds and saying oh when you help me it was funny like it was it was definitely funny and <laughs> i enjoyed it for the first while but then you realize like maybe two and a half rounds in that you need to fucking concentrate here a little bit. Like, this this isn't one you can just easily turn around and win the fight, you know, at, at a, a click of your fingers. It, it's just, you're doing this for the whole fight. Is that it? Is that what we're going to do here? And then he said afterwards, like, he's not going to change. He's going to keep doing it. Then I was like, I think he'd have mental breakdown in there. And he just and was like, it was, it was fucking odd. It was one of the oddest fights I've ever had to watch. And if you're a judge as well, it must be very tough because there's this lad just talking shite non-stop and you're trying to concentrate on what's being landed and everything like that. And that's where you need experienced judges. Uh, that's it. But uh, yeah, it was one of the most bizarre fights uh, I've, I've ever seen, to be honest. And uh, Kevin Holland, I still think he's very good and I still think he's a very good fighter, but he's going to have to find a way. Look, if he's doing it on purpose, just fucking stop doing it. And if he's not... I don't know what, maybe a sports psychologist or something like that can help him and can help him get out of this because it'll work for you in certain fights, but the higher up the levels you go, it's not going to work for you. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I don't know if this is just like, it reminded me of Paulo Filo uh, when yeah. he kind of went a bit mad in, in WEC and I think he ended up like saying he was addicted to roofies or, or oh, yeah. something crazy like that. 
Um, yeah, so uh, I, I remember Chael saying, Chael fought him, Chael Sonnen fought him and saying that he was kind of like weirded out by it and didn't really know what to do. Some, <laughs> you know, uh, hopefully it doesn't go down as bad a road as that. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, it, it, if if we'd seen seen kind of more of this from him before, I'd kind of think, oh, maybe he's just a crazy personality. But it did seem, you know, uh, amplified a lot in this fight. Maybe that's because he was losing. I'm not really sure. Um, it, it was very strange. I, I don't really know what to make of it. Yeah, and look, you have to give credit to Derek Brunson as well, as you say, like Chael and with thinking about the opponents. Like Brunson, he did his job. He went in there and he he won the fight uh, against someone who was fucking you know not an easy guy to win a fight against uh, because of the, the the antics and the madness of it all. But um, you know, he did a he did a fantastic job and and he was able to get it out. So there's like there's not much analysis we can give about the fight to be honest. Like I think Colin, I think he got taken down so easily because he was just talking and like. <sighs> I don't know, it feels like he just gave up on fighting at some stage, and he was like, when in certain parts between the talk, and he was throwing a few elbows and throwing a few shots, and he almost got the knockout in the second round, you know, but it was <laughs> just bizarre, absolutely fucking bizarre, and look, we'll, we'll see what happens next, and Brunson goes on, Brunson's on a good run here, so he deserves a big fight next, and uh, we'll see how we'll see how that plays out. Um, also in this card, probably the biggest thing to come from it, actually, um... Julia Stolyarinko, if anyone saw the clip beforehand on the uh, on the Friday evening, uh, she collapsed on the scale, making weight. Uh, they gave her a few seconds to recover, put her back on the scale. She made weight, and then she collapsed again, falling off, and it looked even worse the second time because she was kind of shaking and stuff. Um, look, I'm going to make a point here. We used to always talk about weight cutting before, and people were kind of giving out to me about it because it's like, what what the fuck are you talking about? And, you know, just move up a weight class and everything like that. And look, if that's your progress, fair enough. And the first thing I'm going to say here is I don't have the answer. I don't know what to do. But something needs to be done. Like, cause, uh, we can't go on like this. If you want to say, just move up a weight class, and that I see lots of fighters saying that. You know, lots of fighters have said that to, to me before to me when I was giving out about it or tweeting about it. Can fighters do that right now, right? Can, can they? They all can. If you want to, any fighter can, well, there might be certain exceptions if you're a champion or if, you know, your promoter won't let you move up or what. But I think the vast majority, if they said, I don't, you know, I can't make the weight uh, anymore, I want to move up, a vast majority think of promoters and fans, and I would be happy enough to see that happen, right? That I think that's that's true. Why aren't they doing it? You know, why, why are people not doing it? We don't, some people do it, obviously Dustin Poirier did it, but the, like the vast majority of people are still trying to cut loads of weight to get down, to get an advantage, to make that weight class. And the problem with that is the vast majority of people doing it. What is, is it 90% of people? I, I think it's probably more than 90% of people doing it, especially at the top level. So when you're doing that and when everybody is doing it, what is the point? Like there's the point seems to be like you're you're doing it to get an advantage. It's actually not to get an advantage anymore. It's to actually not lose an advantage. So I think there's there needs to be some way to do that. Whether it's hydration tests, whether it's multiple wins, whether it's matchmakers just making fights and putting people like, into divisions. I don't if, know if they, if they could. Like I know it's probably I don't know how much a DEXA scan costs or whatever. But if they could have everybody DEXA scanned and uh, before their fight, if uh, like a couple of weeks out, a couple of months out, all that stuff, and you can see how much body fat you have, how much muscle you have, how much uh, what your weight would be if you lose all the or the all the safe amount of fat there, and you know do it more scientifically. But a lot of these guys, you know, unless you see say on pay 
for uh, implement that and pay for it, then they can't afford to do that. Or the, some of the some of the weight cutting strategies that go on are, are you know really primitive and basic, and mm-hmm. people don't really know what they're doing. They're just kind of starving themselves and not hydrating themselves. And there definitely is different ways to do it, but you know the UFC would have to you know pay for all that stuff and unless you know it, it may be if you know if it was somebody else who collapsed on the scale if it was a if it was a habib or a or connor or a jones yeah, yeah. or a, 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 i don't know somebody Rousey, else uh yeah. yeah rousey then it would be big news and it would probably you know put a bit of pressure on um the ufc to do something but when it's an, an undercard fighter that nobody really latched onto in terms of media it's probably just going to be forgotten and we'll have to wait for you know something bad to happen to somebody prominent which is which is a really bad situation to be in yeah and i know you know people have said what's it going to take and you know it's going to take a debt and that's that's kind of maybe a a bit of a glib thing to say uh at times but we here in irish mma know all about that you know it took a debt here it took a dead ear to, and it's not weight cutting, but in a you know in, in a fight to change things and to get everyone talking about it and to get all the pressure pushed, you know that's what it took here, and we don't want to see that situation again. You know we people, you know we we've seen that firsthand, um, what that situation is like, and like MMA is a tough sport anyway. You don't need to put yourself in more fucking danger by having to cut down weight, and there's there has to be a way around it, like. Would the matchmakers just putting people into weight classes not be better? And then every time they fight, we weigh them without them cutting weight, without them going mad or anything like that. And if they're madly, if they're 20 pounds over it, fucking 30 pounds over it, you don't let them fight. Or if they're constantly like 10 pounds over it, whatever it might be, um, you know, make a move up a weight class in in the next fight or whatever it might be. Like there, there has to be a way around it. And I know you'll say, oh, they'll just cut down to make the ten pounds over or whatever. I look, I don't know. I said at the very start of this, I don't have the answer. But like, surely someone smarter than me, surely someone who's a nutritionist expert and a hydration expert and doctor, surely there's a way that. And it's not the UFC as well; it's the commissions. But the UFC will have to pressure the commissions into making this happen because it's it's hurting everyone. It's hurting the fighters, right? The fans don't give a shit. What what uh, weight you may uh, make? Look, the, the biggest fights in UFC history were against two lightweights fighting at um fighting at welterweight. Well, apart from the Habib McGregor fight, obviously, but the uh, you know the Dana White doesn't care, the UFC doesn't care, the permission the commissions don't care. Like it's it's the only you know it's hurting the fighters, it's hurting the um it's hurting the the promotions. Because they're losing fights because of it. And okay, it's not a problem that pops up every week anymore. And it's, you know, I think nutrition is getting better, as you said there, Graham. And, you know, we talked about Reese McKee, and you obviously said he, you know, he, maybe 155 would be better for him. But I think we both agreed, and you mentioned the Dexascan thing, and we mentioned if he got to the UFC and got more money and was able to get a bit, bit of better nutrition out of it. And I think that stuff all definitely helps. But the a majority of people in the UFC are maybe two or three fights in and even if they're picking 10 fights in they probably don't have that much money and they probably aren't able or willing to uh, invest that much money in someone like that who's going to help them to to get to the next level in that realm so it's a very very tough situation that 
they're in and it's it's not people you need to stop thinking about people individually doing it because that's not never going to happen maybe it'll happen for a mcgregor or for you know a gsp or for a habib or whoever it might be uh to be able to invest that much money and and you know have their own mcgregor fast system wherever it might be or or go to america like habib did and and get better nutrition and be able to make the weight more safely but for the vast majority of people who are on 12 grand a fight who don't even get paid when they make weight, when they don't make weight, sorry, they're not going to be able to afford to do it. And I know the UFC help with the UFC Apex and all that, but it's not the same. And it's it's a problem that needs to be solved from the very top, and it needs to be solved down. And I don't know the, the, how to solve it. I'm not going to lie to you. I can give you ideas, and you probably tear through them, but it's it's a big, big issue. And uh, I, I, hope it, I hope there's some way around it at some stage, but however. Um... So, yeah, uh, I suppose before we talk about UFC 260 next week, Graham, uh, I mentioned Habib there, and Habib is officially retired now, thanks to Dana White telling us, and the UFC lightweight title is going to be on the line, uh, held above the cage and in a ladder match for Charles Oliveira versus Michael Chandler. Not really the ladder match part. What do you think of this, Graham? The, the title on the line for Oliveira versus uh, Chandler? Yeah, it's a little bit surprising, but uh, like you can't take it away from from Oliveira or from Chandler. I suppose uh, they, like it's just uh, business wise. I thought they probably tried to do the the Poirier Poirier McGregor rematch uh, or trilogy match, um, and for Poirier it's a little bit harsh, I think. But for the, the other guys, I think yeah, I think it's a really exciting matchup. Uh, um, I think Oliveira is really, you know, obviously we talked about him kind of in the past. He's really turned the corner and put it together. Obviously, Chandler has been, you know, a champion for for a lot of years and some very big fights over the years with with Bellator uh, and a very impressive debut in the UFC. So yeah, he he, you know, you can't take it away from either guy. But for Poirier, you probably he'd probably be a little bit disappointed. Uh, you know, he's kind of done everything he can and uh, he he probably would be expecting would have been expecting the title shot if Habib was, was not coming back uh, on Habib not coming back retiring or whatever I still expect him to come back at some stage you know um, me too sooner like you know sooner rather than later uh, you know Dana White confirming the retirement doesn't really mean much to me yeah I, I agree look on, on meritocracy I think most people would agree it should have been Michael Chandler versus Dustin Poirier for the title here you know he got that big win uh, Poirier got that big win against McGregor last time out uh, Oliveira got a huge win against Gaethje and against uh, Tony Ferguson if yeah. I'm not mistaken uh, so like that that earned you know it maybe Poirier yeah. prefer, would prefer, wants to fight McGregor again yeah, that's what I'm want, saying yeah that, you know maybe he was yeah. given an option and he and he said uh, here I'll go in there and in his mind, beat Connor again, you know, make it two one in the trilogy, and then fight for the title. And he's not in any rush. But uh, you know, if if that wasn't the case, then it's harsh on him. Yeah, absolutely. Like, uh, the, look, if you're given McGregor said it on on the stage before, and he, you know, with, when he was fighting Aldo, I remember, and he the, the whole red panty night thing. He's like, any of you up here would get out of your fights and fight me instead because you know it's going to be more money. And that's that's the reality of it. Belts don't mean as much in MMA as stars do. And, you know, a fight against Conor McGregor or a fight against GSP or a fight against John Jones is going to be worth more to you than uh, than a fight for the title unless it's a fight against one of them. And now, you know, this is Dustin Poirier's chance to, to cash in and get a big money and hopefully get pay-per-view points for this. 
and hopefully it'll be a lot of money because he deserves it. I think Dustin Poirier, you know, we like Conor McGregor. Obviously, you're great friends with Conor McGregor. And I think a lot of people, you know, Conor McGregor fans wouldn't begrudge Dustin Poirier because he seems like one of the nicest guys, you know, a lot of money for charity and everything like that. And, you know, whether, you know, win or lose, but he'll, he'll earn the money anyway. And hopefully this is, you know, he's been fighting for a long time and lads deserve this. And even, you know, Masvidal, someone like that, like, I think he rubs a lot of people up the wrong way, especially what he's done over the last while. But it's good to see him getting, you know, a big money fight for all the effort he's put in down through the years and even a second one which is very undeserved but anyway we'll talk about that at a later stage i'm sure but uh yeah look mcgregor versus Poirier is surely going to happen now and i think Poirier, like i don't know if Poirier even asked for this title because i think everyone just kind of knows that that trilogy is is going to happen and it's just a matter of maybe getting a date and uh you know i'd be interested to see but it's good to get the the title back moving again the, the problem with habib is right i i i picked against habib i think probably in at least one of his recent fights but afterwards and analyzing it back again now it's it was just it was a little bit boring because of how dominant he was he was just too good for everyone and oh we have have a situation where who's going to win in chandler versus Oliveira? i'd probably pick Oliveira, but i'm not 100 percent sure and like let's say the winner of that fights paria who's going to win in that i don't know if they fight mcgregor i don't know you know, there, there's a lot of interesting matchups coming up here. There's going to be a brand new champion. Like, imagine Oliveira with the belt or Chandler with the belt. It's just going to look a bit odd. It's going to be a bit different. That's kind of cool. So I'm looking forward to uh, one of these picking up the belt and fighting either McGregor or Paria, more than likely, for the uh, for the championship. Benil Dariush is fighting Tony Ferguson as well. What a fight that is, a lightweight. So, uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to the lightweight picture. And it's, it's a weird one that Habib Gohan actually makes the division better, which you know maybe from an overall talent standpoint it doesn't but from an excitement standpoint it absolutely does so uh yeah i'm looking forward to, to seeing what happens there uh over the next while right graham oh actually b- news broke last night before we get to ufc 260 blaine o'driscoll the 2020 irish mma fighter of the year for severe mma will be fighting jose shorty torres on brave next week which is obviously a short notice fight but this is a huge opportunity, a huge fight for Blaine O'Driscoll. You know, we, we talked about him last year and it was like, he was kind of stuck in Bellator a little bit because uh, they don't have that division. And, you know, he was probably not going to get straight to the UFC from Bellator. And that's just kind of thing that doesn't really happen. So he needed like a next move and whether that's, you know, uh, whatever that might be. But now he has it. Now it's on short notice. It's on a big fight as well. This could be a case of he might only need this one win or maybe one more after it uh, to to get to the UFC. And either way, this is a huge fight. Shows Shorty Torres, one of the best prospects um, around for the last few years. He got to the UFC, but then they were kind of getting rid of the division, so they got rid of him. Then they kind of brought back the division, and he didn't come back yet anyway. But uh, big opportunity for Blaine Graham, isn't it? And I'm looking forward to this fight. Now, I wouldn't rule Blaine out at all. He's a very good fighter, isn't he? Yeah, he's a very good fighter. He's been improving uh, fight to fight for for years, and you know he's one of the guys, one of these guys who's you know it is short notice as you said, but he's one of these guys I think who's always in the gym, always in shape, and never kind of you know he always stays ready and never gets never has to has to you know use a part of the camp to to get his physical condition correct and his fitness correct. So uh, you know some guys you know they're in and out of the gym when they don't have a fight, but I think from from you know over the years i think he's probably been in the gym so that, that that'll definitely uh that'll definitely help on the short notice front and you know shorty torres obviously as you mentioned he's a very very big prospect it'd be a huge win for Blaine if he can go in there and win yeah wouldn't be surprised if the ufc signed him straight straight up after that yeah. you know um 
there's not many better wins, uh, you know, outside uh, the UFC that you can get. Um, yeah, the UFC aren't really in a rush to sign the, the, the lighter guys. Maybe they'll play against them. But, uh, yeah, in terms of, you know, merit, it would be it would be a huge, huge win and be the biggest win of his career. And as you said, if, if you know, if he's... If if he's in Bellator, he's kind of in this place where you know you know, it, we've seen it before. Like we talk about Chandler there, or whatever we've seen it with Eddie Alvarez. People do move from Bellator to to UFC, but when you're when you're not really a huge name or a champion, it's 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 rare to make that you know straight jump. Um, so it, this kind of does you know pave the way for 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 that more as well. And obviously you know Bellator is, pays well and all that stuff, but. Uh, big show and you know really good events and all that stuff but most of these guys uh, want to be in the UFC and um, I think I think Blaine's probably one of them and this is a huge opportunity you know on short notice sometimes you can it can play in your favour a little bit in terms of you know not psyching yourself out or you know if you have three months to think about Shorty Torres and watch his tape and all that stuff maybe you could overthink it and kind of worry too much about his game and not worry about enough about your own game so you know short notice doesn't necessarily mean that it's this huge disadvantage that uh, it may be for, for other guys uh, who aren't always in the gym and stuff so I'm very interested to see how this looks you know Blaine obviously you said you mentioned there he was the, the fighter of the year uh, in our awards um, for a reason you know he's really put it together and he's really coming into his own and um yeah, like it, it, it's it's a it's a very tough fight. Like you know, he'd definitely be the underdog here, but I wouldn't be I wouldn't be all that surprised if he got it done. Yeah, me neither. I think he's very good. And you know, he's two wins last year, two stoppages, one knockout, one submission. So like, he's an all rounder as well. Looking really looking forward to that. I'll definitely be tuning into to Brave to see that. So yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing that. Um, but also as we talk about UFC two sixty here. Um, make sure to go over to the Five Picks app and get your picks in for UFC 260. Uh, download the app. So if you look up on the um the Play Store uh, or the uh the, the iPhone Store, whatever the fuck that's called, uh, <laughs> search Fight Picks. You'll see the blue and white logo with FP on it. Download that. Sign up. It's free. Uh, to do, you, there's a premium one as well. You can sign up for that for extra stats and stuff. And I'd encourage you to do that because it's really really good. Um. But you can join the Severe MMA podcast. Go to Join League and just search Severe MMA. I think we still have the biggest league uh, of all over there and uh, join there. So you can start your own league as well if you want to do that or compete head-to-head against other fans right now today. Uh, it's available on iOS, that's what it's called, and Android. And check it out on fightpicks.com. I was I finished fifth out of everyone in our group yesterday, Graham. So I was doing... Uh, oh, you I, need to get your, you do, get your picks in early or you'll end up forgetting to get them in and time <laughs> like me and getting zero points for the whole the whole event <laughs> oh so the top four leaderboard at the moment is uh crh1 who was top last week as well i believe or by kdoc is in uh is in third at the moment alcor karina's up there right up the, near the top big uh, long time fan karina i'm in 11th fucking hell i'm doing pretty well kale there is in 14th uh sean dinny in 19th let me see if i see any other one aaron is in 26 i'm probably, probably down in the relegation yeah, zone I'm, I'm <laughs> team torres in 31 i wonder is that andrew mcgahan maybe it is i'm going i'm st- uh, graham and i'm at 48 14 a severe group he's at 50 i'm still looking for you graham bootneck andy at 59 although uh, 58 sorry although he i thought he won yesterday patrick sheehan at 66 Pulver, our boy over in the, the Sound of Violence. Graham, you're at 78, just ahead of Andy Stevenson at 80. Where is it? Oh, well, there's two people at 78, so yeah. 
tough. Let's see who's bottom. Let's see who's bottom. Uh, well, as people forgot to put in their picks, or bottom. But let's see who's the last who's actually put in their picks. It's Gar- Gary Wallace from down in uh, Team Rhino in uh, in Waterford, I believe. At seven points, poor Gary. That's very very poor. But anyway, uh, sign up for that fivepicks.com or uh, download the app. It's really really good. So get involved, and it's it's handy for the the stats and everything as well. Um, just when you're looking ahead to fight, so it's uh, I definitely encourage everyone to get that. Um, right, let's look at UFC two sixty here, and it's a you know what? It's a very 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 good card uh, from top to bottom. Uh, we have uh, well, okay. I'll start from the bottom. Uh, Abu Az- Azatar versus um, Mark Andre Barriold, Shane Young against Omar Morales. Now, okay. I'll, well, I'll, I'll say what's there at the moment. Julian Robertson versus Miranda Maverick, uh, Modestus Bukowski's former Johnny Jitsu victim, but former Cage Warriors champion as well against Mikel Amelanjuk, uh, Jared Gooden against Abu Bakar Nurmagomedov, uh, Hannah Goldie versus Jessica Pinay, obviously a former. Uh, Championship contender Darren Pinay, Alanda Minifield, uh, William Knight, Jamie Malarkey, Cameron Wardy, uh, Tomas Almeida coming back against Sean O'Malley. What a fight that is. Former champion of the world, Tyron Woodley against Vicente Luque. A big fight for Woodley uh, if he wants to get back uh, to any sort of contention there. And the main event, Stipe Majocic versus Francis Ngannou for the world heavyweight title. Um, last night it was announced that Brian Ortega versus Alexander Volkanovsky was pulled from this card due to COVID protocols, even COVID, uh, and it was uh, announced by Volkanovsky himself that he actually has coronavirus. Now, the issue with that, which I was kind of alluding to earlier on, is I think Jamie Malarkey, uh, Shane Young, were both in contact with him or in like a bus with him. There was a picture going around. So whether they'll be able to fight or not is, I suppose, a question at this stage. Uh, nothing has been announced uh, as, as time on time of recording. Uh, so we will see, uh, but obviously that's a big, big blow to this card that that fight is off, and it's it's an odd one as well. I think our uh, boy Scroobius Pip tweeted about. It. I did a bit of a podcast about it as well over on Patreon the other day about. So this is UFC two sixty. UFC two sixty one is going to be in front of a full audience of fifteen thousand fans, uh, which uh, with fights getting pulled left, right, and center because of COVID doesn't seem like the best idea to be honest um and i think like listening to anyone talking about the american scene i've really not been taking much notice of the coronavirus lately i just anywhere else in the world apart from ireland even in ireland i've just been staying at home and keeping away from it uh because it'll fucking wreck your head but america is vaccinating everyone you know and america is doing a great job of vaccinating people i believe and Joe Biden, I think, has said by the start of May, everyone's going to be vaccinated. And by the 4th of July, he wants people to be able to be back out. That's not that far away. You know, that is not that far away. What, the start of May is only a month and a half away. Um, and, you know, June and July is not that, you know, um, six weeks after that or, you know, two months after that. I don't understand why they're jumping the gun so quickly with this when there's still people... Um, you know, still people failing left, right, and center, and when a lot, you know, it's going to be spread in that event when there's fifteen thousand people right up on top of each other. If you could do it safely in a stadium and put fifteen thousand people in there, maybe you know, I, I, I wouldn't have as much of a problem with that. Um, if you can put people into pods and stuff, but I think that's going to be an issue for UFC two sixty one. But however, we might talk more about that, um, afterwards. Before we get to the main event, Graham. Uh, anything on that undercard that sticks out to you, Almeida, O'Malley, or Woodley, Luke, are you looking forward to those? 
Um, yeah, definitely the O'Malley um, uh, Almeida one more than the the Luke A. Woodley one. I think I think Woodley's just over the hill, and he just he's not going to be able to do it anymore. And uh, I'm more excited about you know, obviously Almeida came in with a lot of hype, and maybe isn't isn't hasn't lived up to, hasn't lived up to that. And um, but he's a really good fighter. It's a really good test for O'Malley coming back. Um, you know, we all know how good O'Malley is. Uh, you know, offensively and and stuff like that. It's just um, like uh, I I see I see O'Malley here is a, is a basically a three to one on favorite. Mm-hmm. Don't know about that. Like I think this this could end up being a really tough fight. This could be uh, you know maybe early O'Malley will 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 uh, will do well. But if if Almeida can drag him deep, I don't know. Uh, I wouldn't be too confident in O'Malley here. Uh, like maybe I'm wrong. He could go out and finish him in the first round or something like that. But uh, I think if, if Almeida comes out with a, with a good game plan here, he, he could eke out a decision. Yeah, I like. I think the issue with Almeida might be his uh, his chin. You know, he's gotten knocked out a few times now. Um, so like the he's lost. Well, he's only lost twice by KO, but it's been kind of devastating losses. And he's lost his last three fights in a row. If I'm if I'm not mistaken, Jonathan Martinez, Rob Font knocked him out, uh, and Jimmy Rivera went to a decision with him. So if if Almeida can get back to his very best, I agree. I think it'll be a very even fight. But I just think O'Malley might be able to land a little bit too much, and he might will be able to test the chin. I'd definitely be picking O'Malley in this one. But I would I would love to see Tomas Almeida get back. You know, get back to what's made him such a fucking exciting fighter. Uh, and if he did, this would be a barn burner of a fight, a war. Um, but I just, I can't see it, to be honest. I just think O'Malley, and now, now I think O'Malley's a little bit overrated, and he seems like, uh, he just seems like the biggest dickhead <laughs> ever in MMA, or one of them anyway. But, uh, yeah, I think, he, I think he'll have enough. I think he'll have enough in this. Uh, with, with Luke and, and Woodley, I don't know who'll win this fight to be honest. Um the very similar records, 19-6-1 to 19-7-1 for Luca. But Woodley like Woodley if he can get his wrestling going in this and take Luca down and just land a one or two shots on the ground, I don't are on uh, standing up. I don't think Luca is I don't think he has the power to test Woodley the way Woodley has the power to test him. Even though Woodley, I don't think he is what he was and maybe doesn't even have, still have the snap in his shots that he once was. I would be very surprised if this didn't go to a decision. Uh, you know, And it's one of those ones, I think it'd probably be 30 27 Woodley or something like that. But if he does lose this fight, if, if Vicente Luque wins this fight, I think we can... I think it's time for Tyron Woodley, to be honest. I think you're not, there's no coming back from that, you know, because this is a yeah. very good matchup for him, but... Yeah, he's a three to one on favorite, Luke. You know, uh, really? obviously the bookies, the bookies have lost faith in uh, in Woodley after his last few performances, and and I, I have as well. But at, at those odds, yeah, no it might way. be worth the yeah. Really? Let me look at that and Paddy. That can't be right. Is that the right wrong way around? Three to one. So what price is Woodley to win? Let me look at um, three point one five. Yeah. You can get him up to three point three. Two to one here on Paddy Power. Woodley is to win. I'll definitely be backing that anyway. Jesus, Woodley surely win that fight. God, if he do, if Woodley doesn't win that fight, you can forget about him. I, I, I think that's a very favorable matchup for him. I know he's been really bad recently, and he's looked kind of shot. But God, if he doesn't beat Luca, it's a bad sign. But however, um, the main event, I suppose, Francis Ngannou versus uh, versus Stephen Miocic. 
Um, Steep has won his last two fights, obviously, against Daniel Cormier, with his last three being all against Cormier. And the Francis obviously bounced back from the loss to Sipe and the loss to Derek Lewis in that very close, shitty fight uh, to beat the likes of Ken Velasquez, Junior Dos Santos, and Jarzino Rosenstruck, all via first round KO. The problem with Francis, right, and looking at this fight after uh, looking again, obviously, we'll have the bet and show and stuff as well this week. We, we shouldn't have given away that bet there. Uh, <laughs> there's one of my bets for free. Um, the, the problem with uh, Francis coming out of the last Stipe fight is, right, everyone looked at that fight and rightly Stipe took him down. He dominated him on the ground. Uh, and you're thinking like, right, he got this fight a little bit too early. He needs to improve his ground game. Come back again and do it. We haven't really been able to see any improvements in that ground game right in front of us. Now, not saying it didn't happen. But Francis has just been knocking guys out in like 10 seconds ever since or standing around for 15 minutes not touching someone in the Derek Lewis fight. Um... So, will this fight be an exact replica of the first fight? Maybe. But also, ooh, it'll be very hard for Stipe Miocic to go 10 full rounds. And I've said this a few times. But it'll be very hard for Stipe Miocic to go 10 full rounds against Francis Ngannou and not get knocked out. You know, your every round starts standing. And, I'll, you know, maybe Steve, you know, I was thinking about this actually more uh, last night. And do you know the way Tyson Fury came out in the second fight against Deontay Wilder and, like, went for it and went to finish him? Maybe that's what Steve will do. And I think that's maybe what he might need to do uh, against Francis. Now, not go out in the, the first round, maybe. Tyro, Francis, take him down, maybe. But in the second round, up the pace and try to land some big ground and pound uh, from on top and try to finish Francis. I think that might be the way Stipe goes or even do that early uh, if he can get him down. But, uh, yeah, it's it's. It, I'm going to pick Francis. To be honest, I, I think he will be able to land the shot. But Stipe is tough and he's very, very good. And if he wins this fight, you know, he's already the best heavyweight, I think, in UFC history anyway. Um, if he wins this, he's right up there with all the best, the Fedors and the, the Big Nogs and all the rest of them from down through history as well. Uh, and uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing How, how do you see the fight going? Who do you think will, uh, who do you think will win it? Yeah, it's interesting you said about trying to go, go knock him out. I don't think that would be a good idea. Like, you know, even Francis lands a half shot or, uh, you know, a quarter shot, <laughs> it can it can knock you out or put you on your ass and the ground and pound can knock you out. And I think that would be a risky strategy. I think, you know, going back in, initially on the game plan or to the first game plan, uh, trying to do that and seeing, you know, making Francis show that he has improved and that you're not going to be able to do that to him again would be the best strategy for Miocic. But, you know, uh, even with the best strategy, when you're going in against somebody like Ngannou who has that power, you're always in danger when it's on the feet and, you know, especially in the first round and starts on the feet and obviously you can take some uh, pop out of his punches and all that stuff if you can get him down and mm-hmm. uh, I'd say that's the game plan that Stipe will, will, will go for very similar to the first game plan and it's a really tough one to call you know um, if it wasn't heavyweight you'd be you'd be saying Miocic but with with the, the power and the size of Nganu, um the stopping power it's a really difficult one like I, I'm still on the fence about this one yeah, and when I say I go to, to try to stop it, uh, that's more of um, that's more of a stop it on the ground than stop it standing. I think maybe, um, yeah, to go out and like throw hands with Francis early would be a very stupid thing to do, and I don't think he'll do that. But uh, yeah, it, it's uh, it's a very interesting fight. I can't wait for it, and uh, yeah, it's, it's a proper heavyweight title fight, and with John Jones looming as well. It's uh, it's a good time. It's a good time for the heavyweight division. So it's probably one like I was talking to Ariel the other day over in the, his um his Twitter show, and I was like, this division I'm probably more most looking forward to seeing um, 
you know, work out over the next year or two with Francis and Stipe and John Jones and Derek Lewis and Seattle Gagne and even Aspinall maybe a bit later than that coming through. There's lots of good guys coming through in, in that division. Maybe not, you know, 15 of them, but there's four or five or six uh, really, really good people in the division. That isn't great. Um, and hopefully if they can all fight each other, we can have some good fights over the next while. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a good one. Right. Um... Let's answer one or two questions before we go. Mr. Podge here, great friend of the podcast. Uh, how gutted will Dana be that Holland lost? Who's the most exciting fight they can make for Adesanya now? Yeah, I think the, the big issue with that one is um, new challenges for Adesanya. And, you know, Robert Whitaker has just kind of beaten everyone coming through. I know he's fighting Kelvin Gastelum. He was supposed to fight Costa. Um, so, you know, if you have the Gastelum rematch, it might be a big one as well. But I think if... Uh, I'd love to see the Whitaker rematch. But they're both rematches, you know. And they, I'm sure they'd want a new challenge. And Brunson would be a rematch as well. So, you know, I'm sure Dana will be gutted that we're not seeing the Holland fight. Um, and, you know, new challenges for Izzy will have to emerge. Uriah Hall is around there as well. But, yeah, it's, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a difficult situation, I suppose, at Middleweight. Um, Sean Campbell... Uh, uh, two questions how good are is kevin holland's decision making the worst in mma three chances to get up from the ground and only badly judge and executed a kimura takedown attempt while standing against the cage and two is how bloody good were the cage warrior shows yeah look the, the problem with holland is i don't know about his decision maker or anything like that because he was so much talk in the middle of it you don't know whether he was fighting or he wasn't fighting or he was just kind of waiting there but it was an odd one and cage warriors will be lending this but I, I cage warriors are really good, but I thought they had a, a the the problem with cage warriors is I think the layout of the shows was wrong. Um, to me, they should have put the tournament as the main and co-main of the first night, and have Gary as the main event because imagine if the the event ends that way, everyone's fucking talk about it and everything like that. The second night, Paddy Pimblett is the main event, and in the third night, put the three or four title fights whatever it was or three title fights they had put all of them on it put all of them on it with Sharia versus Vucinic in the top that would have been a good crescendo to all three nights you would have still had three very very good cards and I think it would have just been a little bit better the, the Kuypenin fight um, the first night people were kind of only half watching it because it didn't really mean much the, the Sardari versus Desme fight even though it, was, it wasn't a great fight it was a good fight not near of them real fan favourites a few Paddy Pimlet there would have meant, meant a little bit more I think even though it's a title fight and obviously then the, if you had all three title fights on the, on the Saturday it would have been exciting but uh, yeah that's the only that, that and no post fight interviews were the only criticisms I have of Cage Warriors are absolutely fantastic now they did interview Vucinic but you can't let Paddy Pimblet go and not interview him after, directly afterwards. You can't let Ian Gary go and not interview him directly afterwards. And even Paul Hughes as well coming back off that last one. He looks so emotional in the cage afterwards. And others as well. It's... Oh, and and I, the worst thing about it is they proved they can do it. Because they did it afterwards as well. Get And Edith LaBelle did it. I know Edith is, does, tries her best and she's good with the backstage stuff and things. But get Dan Hardy. You've Dan Hardy there. Get Dan Hardy to interview him afterwards. Put a headset in both of them and do it. They really need to bring that back. That was really badly missed, I think, in this one. But uh, that's only you know it's only a, a slight criticism, I suppose. Or commentary. The Tree Man Boot as well. I have to mention the Tree Man Boot. The Cage Warriors Tree Man Boot is the best Tree Man Boot ever. Uh, Brad Wharton, everyone knows how good Brad is. He's absolutely fantastic. One of the best play-by-play men in, in the world of MMA. You know, uh, the UFC have some very, very good ones. But I think if they're looking for someone else, I think he's the next in line because he's fantastic. Um, the Raspberry F, Daniel Strauss, I, he's ground 
uh, you know, people are, uh, might think I hate the ground game and all, but I actually love it. It's only a gimmick. I thought he's brilliant at that, and Dan Hardy, the best commentator in MMA, to be honest, for me. So, uh, yeah. Anything to add, Graham, there? I just went on like a five minute rant by myself there. I forgot you were here. Any, any crack or things? <laughs> yeah, no, I thought, that, uh, yeah, the Cage Warriors was, was very good. I think maybe that's why the kind of the UFC card didn't seem that great yeah. you know there was there seemed to be more kind of interest and jeopardy in the in the cage warriors cards than there was in, in the obviously the kevin holland fight uh, had a bit of jeopardy and one of the questions kind of touched on that like it's disappointing for the the uc brass and the division and stuff like that but uh, i think in terms of like the european scene and the Irish scene there was definitely uh you know the cage warriors kind of stole the, or the, the cage warriors trilogy kind of stole the weekend yeah absolutely right everybody uh thank you very much for listening really appreciate it uh if you want to go over and sign up for patreon please do that patreon.com forward slash severe mma podcast um go over to manscape.com use promo code severe mma get 20 percent off and free shipping and download the fight picks app as well and obviously visit severe mma and read those beautiful articles from sean Denny and ian o'neill and andy stevenson and jake smith and all the lads over there as well and give them all a follow on twitter as well as you can follow me at Chanchi NBA, Graham at Severe MMA. Like, subscribe, leave a review, and we'll see you all next time after I give you the inspirational quote of the, of the week. Do not fear going forward slowly. Fear only to stand still. We'll see you next Tuesday. Or probably Sunday. <laughs>